0: He purangi tēnei, nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa.
1: 11 years ago, the Auckland University of Technology hosted a two day conference called Project Revolution, all about the growing impact of online digital technology and social media platforms. And it attracted some pretty heavy hitters in the business from Silicon Valley, among them Michael Jones. Now, he was Google's chief technology advocate at the time, a role that had been created especially for him after he successfully started Google Maps. But back in 2012, Google itself was only eight years old, but the news media were already worried just how many people were finding their news through Google. Critics complained that online search outfits had created what they called a walled garden, meaning an information ecosystem, over which Google would end up with ultimate control and it would make the most money out of the information of others that it had indexed so well. But back then, Michael Jones told me that all Google was doing was helping people find the publisher's own news.
0: It's not that we're stealing your content somehow that you're losing money because of that. It's that, it's that uh, the newspaper owns its content because they pay the journalists to gather the content. There's a great value in that. We want to just be a neutral, uh, almost like a librarian, helping you find the right book, but, but not, not having written in the book. You know, it, when you use Google, I cannot imagine us saying, get the news from Google and we'll tell you what the news was. It just feels very awkward.
1: Well, Michael Jones died two years ago, shortly before the launch of the first generative AI applications, which do create a version of the news that people ask for. And among them is Google's own service called BARD. And just last month, the New York Times reported that Google was testing an AI tool which writes original news articles as well. The product, known as Genesis, uses AI technology to take in details of current events, and Google reportedly pitched this to several US news outlets as an aid for journalists rather than a replacement for them. Now, earlier this month, at another event at the Auckland University of Technology, the AI Plus Communications Symposium, a former journalist turned PR strategist Catherine Arrow warned that that walled garden was now something much more restricted.
0: And essentially, where Google and the other search engines created a walled garden of knowledge that we're allowed into and we can pick and choose what they've decided are the best blooms, as we get into search generative experience... We find ourselves not allowed in the garden and only showed the flowers that they decide that we can look at. And there's a real danger there.
1: AI apps like Google's Bard and Microsoft's Bing Chat and OpenAI's ChatGPT respond to simple prompts from people using information that the apps have scraped from the internet, including news produced at great expense in the first place by its publishers. But those AI apps are not always that good at it. And as if to prove that point at the AUT's communication Symposium last week, Senior Lecturer in Journalism and Media Dr Maria Mililati said that they're not that much good yet at sourcing the news from New Zealand. There were no links to Radio New Zealand. There were no
0: links to the TVNZ. Newsroom, no links. The spin-off, the Otaku Daily Times, the Guardian, which has a New Zealand section.
1: But some makers of news are not at all unhappy that their news is not being found by the AI apps which scrape the web for data. CNN, Reuters, The Washington Post, Bloomberg, The New York Times and The Guardian are all preventing the GPT maker OpenAI from harvesting their content and other AI apps too, especially those that punch through their online paywalls. And this week, our biggest publisher of news, Stuff Joined them. But is keeping those generative AI apps at arm's length the right option? Those same AI tools can also be pretty handy for them, gathering and publishing the news and producing it digitally. Local subscriber service Business Desk, for example, already creates articles in seconds from basic info from the stock exchange, as publisher Matt Martel told the AI Plus Communication Symposium last week. Uh, we process NZX announcements into articles which used to take us a minimum of 30 minutes and now takes us under 30 seconds. Matt Martell told the gathering at the AUT that AI products had breached media copyright, including that of Business Desk, so obviously that their makers would have to come to an arrangement with news publishers in the end. But one of the world's very biggest, the news agency AP, has already done a deal with ChatGPT's maker OpenAI for the right to use AP's World News. And this week, Microsoft, the maker of the AI-powered Bing chat, announced that it would effectively indemnify its corporate clients from the risk of copyright infringement when it's using their AI apps. Last month, Stuff's owner Sinead Boucher told an Asia-Pacific summit of the International News Media Association that generative AI could become degenerative AI for the media and society. And...
0: We have to make sure that it generates value for journalism, because if we don't get it right in this current wave of disruption, I think that wave is going to wash right over us. But how can that be done? And if it can't, what then? For any organization that's, you know, invested heavily in creating content or knowledge, the big issue really is that these, you know, global tech companies have created models that can hoover up all of that and then create their own products out of it. Um, A sort of industrial mining on a vast digital scale. Search is about finding things on the internet and connecting people to something they're looking for. You know, there's a whole other debate about, you know, these companies have also made vast, you know, they've grown to unprecedented scale uh, as businesses off the back of that content that they produce into their you know, their search results, and increasingly, even with search, uh, those um, results have come back in a format that deters the user from having to leave the Google environment to go off. What's really different here is you know, it's not obviously just Google, there's OpenAI, there's all sorts of ones that are going to sprout up to train their technology on our content, other people's content extract all of that knowledge and then just keep creating their own products out of that and that never completely cuts out the um uh creator of the content there is no licensing of it there's no um permission given and mostly uh, uh, to do that and you know you there's the, the Heard the argument from some um, about, well, what's different? It's already out there on the internet. Somebody can search it and read it and do whatever they want. I think the real difference is this is on a, you know, the technology allows this to happen at an absolutely vast scale in the blink of an eye content, it's not just someone going and looking up a search result for their own interests, And then commercial products being created out of that.
1: Uh, so, for example, the Associated Press, the AP news agency, I, th- I think has done a deal or is in the process of doing one. Do you want fees for the right for these chatbots to crawl over your content? Do you want a licence? you want to licence it out to them? What What is it you want?
0: Well, I think, um, you know, firstly, I would say... This is incredible technology, and there are going to be incredible things come out of it for all of us. There are also going to be some incredible risks that come out of that to our society, to every part of our lives, all of those things that are already... But well, that's an argument for that's, keeping
1: them at arm's length, well, right, not actually one, dealing yeah, with them. Well, you just want them to pay you? Or? No, there's,
0: there's, t- there's two things there. Um, so yes, of course, you know, I think the news industry has learnt, um, or needs to make sure it does learn, the lessons of... You know, the era of the rise of search, the rise of social media, where we didn't seek value for our content then, where we, in fact, in a lot of cases, actually adapted our whole business model to try and serve what the platforms needed. And what happened out of that is that all the value from that flowed to the platforms and not to the to the businesses and creators of that content. So now I think, yes, we don't want to repeat those mistakes. We're creating something that has high value to these companies. Of course we want it to be licensed or paid for in some way. However, the flip side of it is, if these models don't have access to this journalism, you know, high-quality academic content, whatever it is, then what are they training on? They're training on dross. They're training increasingly on AI-generated dross and the whole model probably starts to eat itself and and just become a sea of slime. So, you know, nobody wants that to happen, um, but it's not our job to fix that for the tech companies, um, we just need fair value for the content we've created that will help them um, fix their models.
1: When it comes to dealing with tech companies, before Parliament there is a bill, a fair digital news bargaining bill. That is, I guess, in some sort of doubt because the government may change. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, Rod Sims, the Australian, the, the man who made Google and Facebook pay, as he's labelled in Australia, um, he was instrumental in them getting those platforms to pay for recirculating news. Now, he said since then, this is already a bit out of date. We need a similar arrangement for AI companies who are similarly likely to profit from access to this information. Does that legislation need to be updated here in New Zealand to accommodate what you're saying, a fair deal for well, my, news media?
0: Channels. Um my read of the bill, uh, as it is now, is that that has been the intention of those behind it is to try and future-proof it in the way that they word how, you know, they refer to how news content is used or made available for use. Mm. So I think that is the intention behind that bill. That's the sort of, I guess that will be in any submissions we're asked to make or any feedback we're asked to give. That obviously is the big... Um, the the big thing looming for all kind of publishers and, and content creators in Australia, where the legislation was successful at um, addressing the bargaining power imbalance, which is what the legislation here aims to do, um, to allow the you know news publishers to have a fair commercial negotiation with the, those who are using their content. Um, those deals will all starting to be coming to an end now, so it's going to be really interesting to see. How they are able to engage with um, the big tech companies, in you know, seeking licensing payment or payment for use of their content in this new world. Mm. And
1: you referred to mistakes made in the past, whereby um, news media companies perhaps didn't get um, fair value for the, well, what you see as the value of the journalism. Uh, you spoke to the International News Media Association and said, you know, we adapted our content to suit the platforms of these companies. We threw it all on their platforms, shaped the content we produced, changed the way headlines were done, and even the type of images to suit those platforms. Um, It wasn't necessarily, you told uh, the INMA, to suit what our businesses needed or our audiences needed. This is all about where the audiences are, right? And if the audience start using AI apps for their information and their news and not going to websites, nothing you
0: can do about that, is there? I disagree with that because, firstly... Ourselves, so our, like stuff.co.nz is the largest website in New Zealand and um, we audiences are coming to us for their news. But also just because these ginormous global giants are building businesses in this way does not mean we have to participate in that when we are creating the work that is actually that's the work that's of value to audiences so it's incumbent on us to create the right not just the right kind of content but the right kind of products and environments that mean they want to come to us for that but we are under no obligation for example to throw everything onto the latest social media platform um, thinking and so something there might stick you know audiences might come back to us for that because what we've learned is that's not what happens what happens is that they stay within those environments and all the value of that content flows to um, the platform
1: You also told the INMA we were complacent about the level of public trust in us, meaning news media in the past. Uh, We felt we had trust for so long we'd always have it, uh, and we were slow to react to the implications for us and society on the attacks from bad actors on that trust. Who who are the bad actors? Well, I think we've
0: probably all seen in the last, you know, um, say seven or eight years, uh, maybe the last decade, those who seek to have power in one way or another have started by, you know, with campaigns that's about deliberately undermining trust existing institutions. Some of those are the government institutions, some of those are Things like media. And, um, you know, personally, I think back to the Trump era as a really clear example of that but, in the media.
1: But in New Zealand, stuff has a huge audience. So does, say, NZ Herald, our two big mainstream online news providers, massive audience, yeah. way bigger than any of these so called pink slime things or you know, sites that try to look like news like content, Daily NZ and so on. I mean, you're way, way bigger than yeah. them. Do you really need to worry about them undermining oh, trust I'm in not, the media? not. I'm
0: not really worried about you know, these new AI pink slime sites and for your audience that's slight like, that's news that's sites that are can um, created by AI to look like news content, but it's just, you know, crap. Some of it's malign, you know, some of it's intended to malign, some of it's just trying to get some cheap advertising revenue by creating a whole lot of, you know, cheap mm. cheap content. But for us, you know, n- news media journalistic organizations, um need to have a high level of public trust. And so we have to really pay attention to why has trust in media diminished. Um, what is our role in that? How do we you know fight that? but what is what is happening out there in the world? this is a you know I think globally we're seeing a decline of trust in um, you know institutions, the historic the institutions of media, government, etc., Um, And to really pay attention to how that has happened um, and what we can do to combat it. it is definitely not an easy thing to fight when you have um, a whole range of bad actors from individuals looking for power to governments trying to destabilise other governments to all sorts of um, people trying to spread conspiracy theories for their own use. Um, We saw that during uh, the COVID period here, how much um, focus. He was on the media as apparently spreading lies mm. or suppressing truths. None of that was remotely true, but it definitely you can't deny it has had an impact on how, you know, our people people trust. So it's incumbent on us to focus to not be complacent about the fact that we think we're trustworthy. So therefore, people should trust us, um, and to continue to sort of look at how to combat those who would try and diminish trust but also think about how do we build it and grow it.
1: But with that in mind when it comes to your stance on open AI and effectively keeping them at arm's length until a fair deal can be done if I can characterise it like that uh, I mean won't it be better for people in the long run if this technology takes off and people are going to use it to, to answer their own questions about news and information that high quality news and information like yours does get fed into the matrix because then people will get better results from their generative AI searches and that's better for everyone? Of
0: course it's better but why is it incumbent on us to provide that to invest in that kind of work here but have someone else create all the value out of it and you know so of course it's better for people to have high quality information fed into this but that information is, comes at a cost. It comes at a cost to us and to all the other organisations investing in it. And it should therefore be, um, you know, valued as as any other kind of raw ingredient in a commercial product would be.
1: And would you be taking the stance on generative AI if you hadn't, in the relatively recent past, put up your first paywall after oh, after of, 20 yeah, years yeah, of pretty no, much... No, I think that's uh, completely irrelevant.
0: That's totally irrelevant. I think the, the for me... The you know look we're at the very early days of this technology, and I feel like we are having to make decisions, quite profound decisions, about what how to treat our content or how to participate in that, without possibly knowing how this is all going to develop over the next you know several years. But I think the one clear thing that um, has come out of if you look back in the last sort of twenty years of the growth of the internet, the rise of the search engines, the rise of social media, is that. The value for our content, we did not see early enough that the platforms would suck up all the value for that. And that that would have you know potentially devastating effects on, or has had devastating effects on the business um, models of news media globally. What, yeah, we they don't told make, you they were indexing we all the information, not selling yeah. ads, right? And, yeah. and, you know, they told us they were doing that, but they didn't tell us they were using all the, they were collecting all the data from our users to create their products. You know, beyond content, there's a sort of control of all the other aspects of digital news ecosystem, the advertising technology um, system, the, you know, it, they've become the gateway to the internet, but they're still a private Enterprise themselves—they're not a; it's not a public service.
1: Microsoft, for example, and they're now saying to corporate customers: "You use our products, we'll indemnify you against plagiarism. You know, so if you use something that shouldn't have been there, some violated IP, don't worry about it." Carry on using. Pay your monthly sub. We'll take care of it. That'd be a worry. I felt that was
0: a very disturbing um, development because, in some way, it's an acknowledgement that you know companies looking to use their technology can see that there is an IP issue there, and they're trying to sweep it under the carpet by saying, oh. Don't worry about it. If someone comes after you, we've got your back with our, you know, um, trillions of dollars that we've got uh, stashed away. I in mean, the literally. Dem- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much money. And again, so again, you know, I think about this is one of the reasons why um, it's important that that legislation is sort of future proof, because the intent of the legislation is merely to um, set a framework where small companies and we small companies against the sizes of you know the the mega the mega tech platforms uh, have got that kind of support to get them to the table to have a commercial discussion about payment for content and, and services. And that will become even more to the fore in this area of generative AI than it has been, as all the models uh, for the tech companies themselves change, as new players arise. And it's extremely important for all of us that we sort of set the um, expectation from the beginning that this um, content is high quality is valuable, we want people to be able to access to it, but we can't give it away for free or we're unable to be a sustainable business ourselves.
1: That was Sinead Boucher, Executive Chair and Publisher of Stuff, which this week announced it's going to join other leading news organisations around the world in blocking OpenAI from using its content to power the generative artificial intelligence tool ChatGPT. And the fair digital news bargaining bill she spoke of there is open for public submissions until the 1st of November. As you heard there, Sinead Boucher is determined to protect the intellectual property of stuff from big global players and AI, and it seems they're also prepared to go legal locally on this as well. This week, the independently owned Ashburton Guardian reported that the Ashburton District Council has been told by stuff that a night noodle market earlier this month was a breach of its copyright. The paper reported that the market was a hit with big crowds and queues at the West Street car park. The night noodle market's name and concept is owned by Stuff and any future events involving nighttime and noodles can't be called a night noodle market. But that seems a shame because after Stuff held the first night noodle markets back in 2016, there haven't been any more of them anywhere since 2019 before COVID struck. Now, it was in early 2020, just as the COVID pandemic kicked off here, that Sinead Boucher paid just one symbolic dollar to take the stuffed company off the hands of its disinterested Aussie owners, and in one go, she became the sole boss of New Zealand's biggest publisher of news and most of this country's longest-running newspapers. And next weekend here on MediaWatch, we'll hear more from her about how that's going and what the future holds for her business.